0: To another episode of Talking Chaos. I'm the Condor, and with me this week, I have uh, a buddy of mine. Uh, we've worked together a couple times, uh, Nick Earl. Um, he's from the Lansing area in Michigan, and he's a stand up comedian, right? Yep. Awesome. Um, we're going to be talking about comedy today, and we're going to try to get into as much of it as I can possibly fathom. Um, I have very minimal notes for this episode, so pardon the chaos audience. Uh, but I do want to thank our patrons uh, in the month of December. Alicia G, Stacey M, Mike M, um, I'm sorry, Mike S, Chelsea B, and Allie S. Uh, you guys make this show possible. If anybody wants to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash talking chaos and check us out at talkingchaospodcast.com. Um, what what got you into stand up comedy like i mean like first iterations maybe you're 11 12 13 and you're catching um what's what was comedy central's uh, uncensored thing that they did between like 1 and 4 a.m. i can't remember what it was called
1: uh back then i was more like uh, just comedy central presents was still going around so there was a lot of the half hour stand ups coming on uh, right, but,
0: comic remix, yeah, might still be happening. Um, I'm definitely familiar with it. Uh, what did you catch? What like caught your attention about what you were watching on Comedy Central?
1: Uh, honestly, stand up was something I got into when I was a little bit older, like probably uh, 18, 19. Um I actually started writing uh, creatively a lot and then around like 21 is when I started doing stand up. I decided to give it a try and I just liked the immediate feedback. I wouldn't have to sit there in my own head about what's good or what's not, you know, I could be on an open mic that week and figure out if what I wrote was good or not. And that's right. when I kind they of laugh. Really...
0: You have immediate comfort. Okay, all right, yeah.
1: that's a good one. Yeah, uh, so then yeah, I kind of just uh, have been doing it since and it Like i focused a lot of my writing efforts that way and it's been a lot of fun and I'm I'm grinding. It's what you got to (laughs) do. Do you, okay. How old are you now? I'm 23. I turned 24 in like two weeks.
0: (laughs) Okay. So six years, roughly you've had your hands sort of in the muck of comedy.
1: Well, no, I've been doing comedy for like uh, two and a half years. I was twenty-one uh, when I right, started. Right, but you
0: were a you were a, an audience member.
1: Of, yeah, of yeah. Four, that's what I mean. You,
0: you, your brain was attracted to that environment. Right yeah. around six years ago is when that started.
1: Yeah, uh, it was definitely like more towards high school, and I could kind of find my own stuff. Uh, the the first stand-up comedy I ever saw live was my mom took me to go see Jeff Dunham. And if anything, that's, if that shaped how I perform comedy, it taught me a lot of what not to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm not close to being a fan of Jeff Dunham anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I
0: can't blame you. There was a time in my life when I thought he was uh, a- absolutely hilarious, and he's absolutely talented. Mm-hmm. I, it's just in my mind, I've decided that on a personal level, that's not stand-up comedy.
1: Uh without getting into if it's stand-up comedy or not, it's more just like, hey, uh, my puppet's a racial stereotype, so I'm just gonna be racist through my puppet, and that's my act. Yeah, that's uh <laughs> that's another
0: he, part. <laughs>
1: yeah, he definitely like cut he had I don't even remember the name, but he had the puppet that was just a pimp that was just like yeah, being a stereotype. Uh But yeah, yeah, uh, definitely not I think it can be
0: inferred what racial stereotype he was going for without (laughs) us having to say it out loud. Um, What was the next person that you would see live?
1: Uh, The next person I would see live, I can't really remember. I never was, um, uh, the thing is growing up in the Lansing area, uh, by 2014, our club was closed, which is when I started really getting into stand-up comedy. So, we have been kind of a uh, dead zone for touring professionals for a while now. Um, you know, we recently had some bigger acts come through, but it's kind of being held together with our own hands. So, yeah, I, I haven't gotten the chance to see a lot of live. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know who the next person I saw was. Hmm.
0: Did you see Jeff? at connections the club that we're talking about
1: uh connections was close i uh never went to connections it was uh, you closed. never
0: had an opportunity to go to connections no
1: which is uh weird enough my mom uh owned a business that was like two doors down but it was just something like she wouldn't take us to go see that kind of comedy uh like when when i saw jeff Dun- dunham that was at the breslin because he was huge at that point so he was selling out the basketball arena
0: right yeah, I um, there's a theater, a smaller theater at the MSU campus, um, like Performing Arts Theater. I can't yeah, remember what it's called.
1: There's the <laughs> Wharton is bigger, and then there's the that Passat. Was the Wharton. Yeah, the Passat is like inside the Wharton. Uh, it's just a smaller uh, room. I saw
0: Louis Black when I was 15 <laughs> years old at the Wharton.
1: Yeah, uh, the Wharton's kind of weird because uh, it's, I mean, the Breslin too, they're both owned by msu so it has to also be a student event if they produce anything there uh recently i saw hannibal burris at the loft um that was weird because he wouldn't let any he uh made it standing room only on purpose like they didn't put any chairs out just so he could sell more tickets um but yeah then every now and again we'll get like a joe de rosa or someone will come through uh there's a pu- couple people who are like networked and open uh like there's aaron putnam's local he uh, well he's not super local anymore, but he's originally from Lansing and he tours with Bobby Kelly all the time. So there's a lot going through, but it's all kind of a uh, self-produced right now.
0: Is that Bobby Kelly from like Louie Bobby Kelly?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's usually Robert Kelly when he's billed, but
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I had the right person. Um, <laughs> the other person I've seen that was in Lansing within the last couple of years was Josh Wolf at the loft. Yeah. I uh... thought that was crazy.
1: The Loft and Fusion shows will get some people coming through. Like uh, Stanhope was actually just at the Loft uh, a little while ago. The Loft is kind of a bad room for comedy just with like how it's shaped because it's shaped like a music venue, which isn't uh, great for comedy.
0: It's not uh, super conducive to that environment. Yeah, I totally yeah, agree.
1: It's, it's, uh, comedy like, really requires that uh, intimacy in a venue. So uh, I was a little upset. Eric Andre was actually supposed to perform three shows just at Max Bar, but they ended up canceling those pretty last minute. Uh.
0: (laughs) that's a tragedy um well i bring up lewis black because i kind of want to segue into these older comics and i wanted i wondered how much exposure you've gotten to like uh bill hicks or george carlin or lenny bruce i know lenny bruce is going way way back (laughs) but i'm sure you've heard of these people at the very least
1: Oh yeah, I mean, um, Bill Hicks was the guy I got into like right before I started getting on stage. He was—I uh, started checking out older comics, but I mean, I think any comic who hasn't uh, gone back and watched like prior Hicks, and Carlin, even though they're older, like it's um, kind of a necessity. And I think you're doing yourself a disservice for not looking at it.
0: I have met comics that. <laughs> don't necessarily watch comedy specials anymore because they don't want their own jokes to be influenced by somebody else's
1: yeah uh bill burr actually had something on that he was more specific like if he sees dave chappelle or doug stanhope or someone who does something kind of similar to him he'll like watch them if they're at the store on the same night or something but he he makes a point to never watch their special just because he doesn't need An hour of their material floating around in his head
0: yeah i worry about that like i I mean i don't on a personal level because i'm not necessarily doing the same work that you and these guys do but i worry about how much we let other art influence what we want to create like obviously that's kind of the engine that drives the whole thing to some degree too like you wouldn't you wouldn't be a stand-up comedian if you didn't know what stand-up comedy was.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, there's some quote, I forget what it is, uh, who said it, but it's about how like you get into something because of your taste and you're like, you, you trust your taste. And then it's part of the struggle when you're first starting out is because you had good taste and you know, it's good and you're not good yet. So it's uh kind of feeds into the drive to work past it or get stuck. Uh, just realizing you're not good yet. <laughs> That's a
0: pretty cool thing. Um, I do want to ask real quick before I forget: Do you have any upcoming shows that any local audience members would want to check out coming up?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Lansing locally, uh, my, I have Ozone's on December twenty sixth, which is uh, up in Old Town in Lansing. That's actually a show I produce, and it's our uh, one year anniversary on the twenty sixth. We've been oh,
0: congratulations, man! Yeah. That's super awesome.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. Um, then on New Year's, I'm out in uh, Caro, Michigan at the Brentwood uh, for Mitch Gills' Get a Room Comedy Club, uh, which is, yeah, he does a, cu- a bunch of stuff out uh, kind of in the Caro area. Uh, other than that, um, oh, on the 9th, I've got uh, Brett Hayden's Comedy Rumble down at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. Uh, which oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 And that's so- uh, for Brett's birthday. <laughs>
0: Oh, happy birthday, Brett! Yeah. Uh, ahead of time. Um, anybody in these areas, definitely go check out these comedy shows. All of these guys are absolutely hilarious, especially Nick, who we have sitting with us today. Um, how does censorship play a factor in what you do to write your own jokes? Like, I don't necessarily mean this in the like uh, obvious way, like curse words, right, or mm-hmm. other. Uh, sensitive words to specific groups of people but i mean like specific topics even because i know that there are hot topics that some comedians go after and pursue and there are other ones that like a bunch of comedians i've met tend to stay away from because they're too divisive
1: I think uh, there's a thing about like, I don't necessarily avoid topics because they're divisive, but it's just not really what I do on stage in the first place. Like, I I mean, you've seen my stuff. I'm a pretty like goofy, dumb stage presence talking about nothing. And so it's just not really something that like, if I wanted to approach, it's not in my voice and it would be a weird juxtaposition for the audience a lot. Uh, So I've, I don't like actively avoid it. It's just not something that when I see, I want to write about and like put a funny spin on.
0: Right. No, I'm with you. And it, it, you've already seemed to, to notice that that's not really a, the way that you identify with the audience. Like uh, I, dis- I disagree with how you described yourself. <laughs> I don't think you're as goofy as you're letting on. I think you're appropriately goofy for a comedy show.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's I, I, I was just we we're seeing like, you know, goofy versus like, you know, Trevor Noah does a lot of political stuff. And I mean, he still does goofy stuff, too. And then even locally, um, my uh, Robert Jenkins will talk about and he's hysterical and one of the guys I look up to a lot. He'll talk a lot about, you know, more divisive subjects and it's in his voice and he's very good at doing it. And, you know, presenting his side in a funny way. But, you know, like I'm, I'm talking about like apocalyptic movies or like self-checkout and stuff like that. So I can't really segue from self-checkout into, you know.
0: <laughs> right, right. Weapons, right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, so talking about self-checkout, speaking of buying things, uh, arm sales to Saudi Arabia. You guys want to... <laughs> Actually, that might be a really funny joke to work in to <laughs> <Yeah. your laughs>
0: is that transition that goes nowhere that mm-hmm. just there's no joke for that you just yeah. that's that's pretty. I'm laughing in my head picturing you doing that on stage and yeah. it would murder it would murder <laughs> me um, <Yeah.
1: laughs>
0: Do you think that that's something like i I know that right now I'm obsessed with watching pundit comedians attack what's going on politically from either side frankly it's pretty entertaining but obviously I have my own side Mm -hmm. I won't get into that necessarily that's not why we're here but how important do you think that these these political pundits these comedians this satire is for our, our situation right now?
1: I think it does, like, lend itself to change in a way because it can present important ideas in a very accessible way uh, because that's something, you know, a lot of people will turn off if they feel like you're talking down to them. So when you present an important thought in with it, you know, masked in humor, it's the uh, sugar helping the medicine go down kind of. So I think it has a lot of importance. I think uh, sometimes people, it can... uh, lead to people just building an echo chamber though uh which i personally i know we're not really getting into political i think happens more on the uh right than the left but the left certainly can happen too, where you just kind of surround yourself with the repetitiveness yeah i don't know (laughs) like
0: it uh it snowballs and suddenly that's the only thing you're writing jokes about (laughs) is that what you're sort of saying
1: i i was thinking more about like uh as as a consumer too. You only, like, you know, you're not going to get a Trump fan if he's watching Stephen Colbert It's to instantly disagree with him, not to actually hear him out.
0: You're right. How much of it is convincing one side or the other to, to renegotiate the way they're looking at things. It, it, you're right. It, it definitely creates a sort of um, uh, padding on the back. Like, yeah. this comedian agrees with me. So I must be on the right side.
1: Yeah, and he has a show, so I mean, he's got to be right.
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah. He, they wouldn't put him in such a position of power if his ideas weren't um, at least somewhat correct.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, it's interesting. I really, really like the way that we were talking about this, because I was really scared about how I was going to discuss this particular topic. <laughs> and, but I didn't want to create a sort of self-censorship. Yeah, where like I was afraid to to discuss this for fear of letting my political opinion uh, twist the narrative.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's uh, it's important. You can recognize your own opinion while I mean, you can uh, state your own opinion while recognizing others. And the only people you really turn off doing that are people who weren't going to listen no matter what. So, uh, yeah, That's the fear
0: I, I, anyways, right? Yeah. I guess you. <laughs> It makes sense. Um, what's the the stupidest thing that you love to laugh about?
1: Uh, man. Ah. I I like really um, surreal stuff that doesn't even make sense. I love absurdism a lot. Like we were just talking about Eric Andre, but I think just the stupidest stuff are like the Tim and Eric and. Uh, eric andre nathan fielder that kind of stuff where it's just like <laughs> see you, i don't understand you guys
0: like yeah. what the fuck i <laughs> i'm so out of the loop maybe it's my age right i've yeah. probably got 13 years on you 12 13 years <laughs> um but i
1: tim and eric fuck, like i don't know what the fuck to do with that <laughs> it's just it's it's something refreshing about absurdism where the joke is the joke like it's not a take on anything—it's just what's going on—and just kind of laughing at how uncomfortable it makes you, especially with like Nathan for you, is he's just going and making, putting these people in such uncomfortable situations that you just have to laugh because of all the tension going on.
0: I got a—I got a friend of mine that it's sort of like that. Like he—he he showed me Nathan for you. He's went and seen Eric Andre. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that show live in in Chicago was ridiculous. Like he just got naked on stage and did a bunch. I of think that he does that at every show. Crazy show, yeah. yeah. But that's insane to me. I I don't. I I cannot possibly understand what that is. And in my head, like I have to overanalyze. I'm I'm totally guilty of this. So it's uh, what do I describe that sort of, um. is it comedy is it performance art it i I don't know if i could call it stand-up comedy because what does being naked have to do with telling jokes i don't know
1: it's definitely not pure stand-up in any sense for like those things It, it is comedy but yeah it's just uh absurdism is usually the classification given to stuff like that and so you know it's uh like tim and eric is just an absurdist sketch show uh
0: Right, between yeah. two ferns might even qualify in that absurdist category.
1: Yeah, where it's just, you know, just kind of this ridiculous uh just parroting what's supposed to be normal um because that's the idea is like the Eric Andre show is they introduce the guest who they try to book people who don't know what the show's is and what's going to happen. They think they're actually just going on a talk show and then they just <laughs> doing a bunch of insane stuff to see what happens.
0: Right, and part of that absurdist performance is the this sort of shock that this person has to endure.
1: Well it's just the big thing with that is there's uh just one person who's not in on the joke. So and they're looking to like Hannibal's verse is on the show too and they're turning around and like looking to Hannibal as like a lifeline and he'll just be eating a whole head of lettuce or something. Just no Nowhere safe.
0: (laughs) What the fuck? What does a head of lettuce have to do with never mind. I obviously don't understand. But like I'm terrified, okay? Because when did I become the parent who doesn't understand the thing? Like I used to be you once, and I was in love with this thing, and my parents didn't understand. And now I feel like (laughs) I'm at that point and I'm like, this is fucked up. I don't want to be here. Why can't I go back? I'd rather be you right now and love absurdist comedy.
1: <laughs> Part of what's uh, refreshing to me for like absurdist comedy and sketch com and uh, like especially absurdist sketch comedy, is it um, like kind of tears through the expectation of what you're thinking. You know, like now uh, I was actually talking to one of my friends about this. Like, I don't think I can ever like fanboy out on a stand up comedian now, just because like I've been writing and I've like been kind of in the pit so like i've seen the man behind the curtain so to speak with the creativity where like
0: the wizard of oz has hasn't taken on the actual appearance of what is happening as opposed to this wizard that you didn't understand you know the magic so in a way yeah
1: so like i am obviously still like huge fans of these guys but i understand it a lot more now and you know i can see setup punch i can see where a joke's going and i can kind of see where they like you know now it's like if i hear a really good joke i don't think of uh how did they do that how how they come up with that i'm like fuck why didn't i come up with that like
0: right yeah what a beautiful yeah. creation of a joke like, yeah he sculpted that so well mm-hmm. and that's sort of i've come to understand it as a form of art like po- uh, pottery in a way like you literally you take a, a chunk of something lay it down on a table and go okay how can i turn this shitload of words into something that's halfway decent at the end of it. Yeah, it's like really, really artfully crafted so that you, the the comic knows all the pieces and they fit just perfectly together. And there's these callbacks. Um, is there a particular comedy tool that you're uh, the biggest fan of? Besides, I mean, I get absurdism, but like, if we're talking about comedy in the purest sense there's callbacks there's one-liners do you lean a particular way with like what makes your gut rattle the hardest
1: oh with like how i write or what i with what i what
0: um, you enjoy
1: yeah uh what i enjoy the most i really love a great one-liner comedian just because there's so little like it's just it's just joke 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 so I, I do really love stuff like Dimitri Martin or a guy who started locally and is now out in L.A. Brad Wenzel's absolutely hilarious. And he is just just joke after joke after joke. Um, so, yeah, I do really like stuff like that. But even on the flip side, I really enjoy it all. And even if it's something that's not like personally gut wrenching laughing to me, I can usually still appreciate the artistry. But, you know, the flip side of that is as much as I love one-liners, I also love Mike Birbiglia, who's just just telling one story for an hour and a half with jokes in it.
0: No, and I'm with you like that. Is that which one is a purer form of stand up comedy? I don't know. I've never been able to make the determination. Both of them on their own, like one-liners going upstage, just, just hammering them out and then getting done. And letting the enjoy the the audience enjoy that just like machine gun of laughter, or you do the burbiglia side of the spectrum, and you tell these weird, complex joke like stories.
1: Well, yeah, and then you can even look at kind of towards the burbiglia. You get like Bill Burr or Mark Maron or like the angry kind of rant guy, who's yeah, not necessarily telling right, a right. story, but yeah, he's just uh, he's not. They're not like super punchy 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 but they're also not you know berbiglia leans more on um more uh soft emotions i guess is what you could say rather than like hard emotions like anger if, if- yeah
0: he's more he's trying to embrace like this awkward sense of uh mm. and chaos chaos yeah. and awkwardness <laughs> it seems from berbiglia he's brilliant i love yeah. his work <laughs> Uh, what I should have said was nothing Was is one of my favorite jokes. Like, I just remember that so yeah. vividly. Uh, walking in with a mattress and the girl goes, that doesn't look like the mattress of a rapist. And he goes, what I should have said was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> what I did say was, you'd be surprised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's a hilarious way to write a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I never ever thought of... Uh, sort of warning the audience ahead of time of the chaos that's about to unfold. And that's really funny to me. Um, Do you, have you ever been a fan of this sort of like preachier, angrier stuff? Like you mentioned Bill Hicks. I know that that's like a, a cultural icon, but he's sort of like the pinnacle angry preachy comic.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can... I really do uh, enjoy Bill Hicks, uh, particularly, like, his his really late stuff, um, which I think he still... Like, three of his specials are still up on Netflix. Um, but, like, Revelations and his whole, like, thing at the end where he'd cut jokes, he'd end all his sets with that, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's a ride bit. Or it's not a bit because he's not telling jokes, but it's just a ride and all that. Uh, so I did really like that. But even the guys who, like, do straight jokes, but are kind of the angrier uh, guys like Mark Marin. I love a lot too. Uh, his stand up.
0: Yeah, I love Mark Marin's stand up. <laughs> There's something very relatable about I don't know if angry is it's uncomfortable. He's just uncomfortable, like in his world. And yeah. he tries to voice some of that uncomfortability through this joke-telling and through his podcast, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, what People that I never understood were like Gallagher. Like, I know who he is, and I've seen his shows. But how is that? I just it, don't get it. I, that I, might I, be I the <laughs> quintessential beginning of absurdism.
1: It wouldn't be Gallagher. Uh, I mean, it gets into like prop comics and just stuff like that, and who lean on a shtick. It's almost more towards like the Jeff Dunham thing we were talking about, where it's like you're you're leaning pretty heavy on a shtick. It's kind of like a, I'm not a big fan of people who uh, do music in their acts, but like the music and the jokes are both just kind of half baked. Like you know, I love Bo Burnham who does it really well. Well, like when Zach Galifianakis is on the piano, I'm like, okay, cool. You you played an arpeggio and said something mildly funny. Like you could have just wrote in a funnier joke or actually committed to the song bit.
0: Yeah, Stephen Lynch I think is an older comic that uh, got popular doing a similar Bo Burnham thing in the in the '90s, and that's how I got into that sort of version of comedy. Uh, and yeah, Bo Burnham like kind of blew everybody's mind away with how many tickets you could sell to a comic like that.
1: Yeah. And it is really weird. Cause it's like, even with what I was saying, even like when Dimitri Martin brings out the guitar, that's my least favorite part of Dimitri Martin's act where it's like, okay, dude, like, yeah, you're just playing a couple chords and
0: no. Yeah. I like him more with the board.
1: The, yeah. The... The, the board or just when he's just telling jokes is honestly my favorite. The board is definitely, Way better than the guitar.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love the board as a prop. Because it's not... When he unveiled the brick wall that he'd drawn, (laughs) I (laughs) died laughing. I was like, that's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's quintessentially relatable to other comedians, too. Is you're bringing them back to like, yeah, of course. Brick (laughs) wall, comedy club, sort of. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Um, What else like what else is there about comedy that has you hooked to it
1: it's kind of just the immediacy and yeah just uh i I like to make people laugh and it's a lot of fun it's um yeah i don't know it's kind of hard to put into words exactly why i like it but it's just a great creative outlet and it's something that the pursuit of is structured um I don't know. Like right now I've been working at getting in at a club and there's uh, one club in the state that you actually like just it's you just show up a lot. You get the owner to notice you and then you can start working there. And yeah, so it's um, I don't know.
0: Hmm. I uh, Are you talking about the one that's that's near Detroit? Can we name it? I'm OK with you naming it.
1: Oh, yeah, it's not like a secret. It's uh, the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase is the one that I'm really working at right now. Um,
0: oh, okay. Or trying okay. to crack
1: through to work at.
0: I wondered if you uh, meant the Comedy
1: Castle. Uh, no, I've actually never done anything with the Comedy Castle. Uh, it's uh, been kind of on the periphery for me. Uh, that one's Allegedly, not the-
0: Mark Ridley invented the three-tiered comedy show system.
1: Um yeah I haven't heard that Mark Ridley is like a very uh he he keeps a lot of tabs like I just know he watches every night of the club if not live, he has a feed so it'll be recorded so every open mic every everything they do at the club he will like cross his desk and he'll watch
0: yeah that's that's what a good owner should be doing, or at least a good manager somebody who's producing shows at that level um
1: well because I think I just he love produces comedy.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, that's the uh Roger, the guy who runs the Ann Arbor Co- Comedy Showcase right now. He's just a big comedy fan. So he really likes uh comedy. He really likes joke writers. Um, so uh he actually was the guy who kind of like Brad Wenzel like first started coming up at the uh Ann Arbor comedy showcase. And that's just the kind of thing he likes. And he's very uh generous with once some once he notices you doing the work, he will uh, help you out I'll
0: have to reach out to him I'm always fascinated with what people are doing And I just moved to the Novi area so
1: <laughs> Yeah um, Yeah then yeah, all the clubs in our State are pretty good Honestly um, We even have some like smaller ones that are opening And some things that do like Backroom comedy clubs Uh Yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, there are guys uh close to you that are doing it out of a house, right?
1: Oh yeah, those are actually a couple of my good friends. That's uh they just do a monthly house show. Uh that's the the salsa parlor. They've also started recently um doing daily content, either just posting clips of their stand up, or they all have kind of like a roundup, like just quick punchy things about current events that they're doing. Um, but yeah, I'm good friends with all those guys. They're uh super great and super fucking hard workers. Uh a couple of those guys have actually been uh, what's have taken me to get like paid shows and like uh, taken me to do some real like work with them, which has been super cool too.
0: No, the the comedy scene in Lansing over the last like 10 years has definitely grown in the best way. And it's in part due to people like you guys, um, the guys at the sauce parlor and you doing the Midtown show, I think right. <laughs> Ozone.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, well kind of the, 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 um, sort of father of the alt scene in lansing is uh a guy who i'm friends with dan curry he started uh max back when connections was still open and this is more going to be a story he could tell details of but basically for starting a monday show that was just an open mic for people to practice uh he was actually banned from connections him and the guy he started it with um because that the owner of connections did not like it at all even though you know a comedy club is open thursday through sunday maybe but just just because we're only open
0: on the weekends and i went to six or seven different shows at connections all of them were free
1: yeah um but yeah it's crazy so he actually got banned from being allowed to work at connections which at the time was two clubs because it was connections was lansing and cleveland um and he kind of uh, inspired other people like the the salsa parlor is not the first house show either uh that it was a long before my time There was like something like 825 Albert and then um the Louis Michaels other house at 1540 I shouldn't say addresses of houses that aren't comedy house shows anymore but before they weren't, they didn't have a name or a. But this brand. is
0: what they called them, yeah, like. Yeah, like it was not, just the
1: address. <laughs>
0: yeah, and and we really please don't go to these places. Different people live here, and they don't even give a shit about comedy now. So yeah, like, they, don't bother them. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I
1: don't think we you. There's any ravenous fans who are gonna run out to the houses, but yeah, if you if you go there, it's just gonna probably be some boring college students. Uh, but you can't go. Don't know
0: what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh the the Salsa Parlor which you can just uh find on Facebook under that name, they do the monthly house show. Uh not this month cuz they always take December off with the holidays, but so yeah, it just kind of became the alt scene um uh for my personal like two shows that I helped put together. Uh Ozone's I kind of fell ass backwards into through some fa- friends who had connections with the venue and kind of asked them if they'd be interested in comedy and then sent me that sent them to me or sent me to them. And then uh, midtown was me and my buddy, James, uh, who actually uh, lives at the salsa parlor as well. We were just pounding the pavement, like any place that had a stage or that could feasibly hold a comedy show. We were just walking into and basically cold calling. Uh, we had the benefit of both running shows in the past in some sort that we could, you know, have a proof of concept and experience that we weren't just kids walking in blind
0: yeah for the year that i did comedy shows uh, i'm hopefully going to be doing it again in the future but right now uh, it's anybody's guess um i basically had to do the same thing pound the pavement and find a venue that was willing to let me do them
1: yeah, because you're just in there and you, you walk in and it's just, uh, you, know, you feel like a dick because you have to try and phrase, can I speak to the manager without sounding like an asshole, but uh, just usually, hey, uh, who books entertainment? Uh, I'd like to talk to them about maybe doing comedy. Uh, but yeah, we Yeah, still I have- tried
0: to sound as like super enthusiastic as possible. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't want to uh, dress like I was a salesman off the street. So like, okay. I'd go into a bar dressed like I was going to a bar. And I'd be like, hey, I'd really like to talk to somebody about possibly p- doing a comedy show here. Is there anybody available that I could talk to?
1: Yeah. And I mean, uh, w- for finally getting Midtown, when we were pounding the pavement. We went into probably about yeah, at least 20 bars. Got like two bites out of 20 bars. There were some people who were like super hard to like set up a meeting or like, mm-hmm. you know, we would talk to the bar manager and then they'd be like, well. You also need to talk to the owners, and the owners are only available at uh, 9.30 a.m. on a Saturday that you guys are like.
0: <laughs> Right, right.
1: It's just like, yeah. 3
0: a.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, we can
1: we can pencil you in at uh, 4 in the afternoon on Wednesday the 13th uh, if you want to call then, <laughs> but... Yeah. So then it just ended up uh, Midtown. We're really lucky that uh, Midtown and Ozone's both the staff really loves us. And that's the biggest uh, hurdle to keeping a show going is if the staff doesn't like you or like the audience you bring in and aren't good tippers or stuff like that, that'll be the death of you. Um, But yeah, we've been fortunate enough to have, uh, we're trying to get the attendance up at Midtown, but as far as the staff end and venue relations, they love us. And then uh, Ozone's has just uh, taken off and I, i mean if i knew how i did it i'd be able to do it in midtown too it's a lot of <laughs> <in that one. laughs> yeah. You're like if i if i knew what i put into the recipe here <laughs> yeah i mean it just that one just crossed over like i have regulars who like if our show has to be pushed to date they're asking me when it is ahead of time um but yeah so it, it's a lot of fun it's uh I, I we were talking before we actually started rolling i started um i only started the shows that i run for like fun pl- rooms for my friends to run material in so like i make uh, i make no money i break even on every show i as far as budget from the uh, bar goes and mm-hmm. i mean it, you certainly can make money producing shows uh it's just personally what you want to do and how you want to run it and yeah I, that wasn't a goal of mine to make money doing it
0: i um there were definitely times when i made
1: money uh mm-hmm. but i
0: never made more money than the headliner
1: yeah, and I mean, it's like, we don't really have to talk too much about making money, but it is work, and it does deserve money. I, I have chosen to forego it, um, no, and no, it's probably and a dumb I, decision. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean,
0: you have, you have a day job. Mm-hmm. You're bringing in income. You're able to survive. Uh, at the time, I didn't have those things. Yeah. So it was pretty crucial for me to find some sort of money elsewhere. Uh, but yeah. I had told myself going into it that like I could not make more money than the headliner. That was just that's not okay with me.
1: That is a uh, way more admirable than a lot of people would do. But yeah, honestly, and it is the exhaustion, especially when I'm not making money and I've been running. Uh, like. <laughs> I'm running ragged trying to like wrangle comics because I had like four people needed to drop because of something and I need to find people or I need to be away from my show. It's uh, it, 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 would definitely help. But also, you know, I do love doing it. And like I said, it's just, I kind of took it cause like um, I, it's not really uh, the max guys who run that have never made a cent off max and they've been running it almost eight years now. And so they just run it for the love of like helping, like growing the scene Local and stuff comics. like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of all I wanted. So it's also you know it does take the pressure off if it if something doesn't go well on a show where I'm like okay well this is just a fun thing and if it if we do get canceled which I, neither of the shows are in danger of really um, you know if if something does happen then you know it's not going to be a huge sweat or like something I have to go and immediately find a new venue for. right i'm not gonna have to worry about
0: paying my phone bill because the show went bad (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: uh
0: that is a bonus for sure um we're gonna take a short break uh where can people find you and future shows that you're gonna be doing
1: uh yeah so uh twitter and instagram are both at fake nick earl uh just one word no caps nothing uh and then, yeah, if you, if you want to just add me on Facebook, I guess you can. I don't really have a fan page on Facebook. Uh, I'm, I'm just my name. It's a picture of my face.
0: <laughs> He's not verified, though, so the, it could be any Nick Earl. Make sure you grab the right one. Yeah, my bio um, <laughs> my bio's
1: resident dumb guy, if that helps.
0: <laughs> um, we're going to have you on in a little bit for uh, the full bush. And if you guys want to check that out, go to patreon.com slash talking chaos otherwise thanks for tuning in this week and we will see you next week which i think will probably be our season finale for this year i have a really interesting interview with eugene timchik of the band septa uh they just dropped a new album and uh we're going to be talking to him next week thank you guys so much for listening in have a great week